welcome to another episode of Cybersecurity One on One with Larry and Joe. Hey, Larry, how are you doing? I'm doing great. I'm doing great. Uh, um, yeah, no, I'm just studying now again for uh, to get ready. I got to take my uh, my CEH class uh, over again, so kind of studying, getting ready for that in January. Um, I have a very interesting topic. Uh, that I thought you might be interested in learning about, and I think our listeners might be interested in learning about. So I'm pretty excited uh, for this discussion. <laughs> All right. So we're going to be talking about DDoS. Um, so distributed denial of service. And we have a special guest uh, that I'd like to introduce you to. And so uh, really to help our, our listeners better understand this topic, we've invited uh, Pankaj Gupta, uh, from Citrix. Pankaj, welcome to the show. Thank you, Joe. Yeah, so Pankaj, would you mind just introducing yourself a little bit in your background, just so our listeners know a little bit about you, and and uh, and then we'll talk more about DDoS and, and why we're still talking about DDoS in the year 2021. Can you believe it? Thank you, Joe. I'm Pankaj Gupta. I'm responsible for product marketing at Citrix. Uh, Citrix help uh, companies to protect their most valuable assets, which is their infrastructure, hybrid workforce, and intellectual property, and the data. And I run the product marketing here. Before that, I was at Cisco, ran the marketing function. And I'm super excited and very committed helping our larger SecOps community to learn about security threats and how to mitigate them. All right. Well, we are honored to have you on the show, you know, with the background at these really top class uh, companies, you know, Cisco and Citrix. I'm sure you have a lot of experience to share with our listeners. A lot of our listeners may not have heard about this milestone. Um, I just heard it the other day. Uh, recently, just a few weeks ago, we just reached, I think, was it the 25th anniversary of the first DDoS attack? Is that right, Pankaj? Absolutely, Joe. The first de first denial of service attack happens happened on September sixth, on nineteen ninety six, to New York's oldest commercial internet provider, Panix, and that brought their system down. Wow! It is not just a coincidence. Approximately same twenty five years later, in the same month, a internet joint called Yandex based out of Russia had the largest volumetric distributed denial of service DDoS attack in the history of internet. Wow. So to give our listeners a little perspective, what what is a DDoS attack? And um, and then I'd love, love to really kind of get into, you know, a lot of various questions, you know, what are the motivations or, or, you know, the people behind these things? What are they trying to achieve? But but let's just talk about, you know, what is DDoS? What, what does it really mean? Sure. So DDoS in a very basic, simple terms is an attack which aims to overload or exhaust a business's digital resources and preventing them from performing normally. Okay. It could, it could be a router, it could be a server, it could be any part of infrastructure which sees a huge influx of the traffic coming to that, making that web server or a specific network device to crash. 
The DDoS attacks can also be a smoke screen to data breaches. I see. Okay. It, it can also be now a new word can be used for ransom DDoS attacks. I so, see. I so see. They are, so they have evolved multiple dimensions, but the DDoS attack, the three <laughs> basic mechanisms behind it is a connection protocol attack on which they fill all the connection tables of edge devices like routers, firewalls, load balancers. Okay. Second one could be volumetric attack. So they try to attempt to attack a network directly and fill the pipes for with very legitimate looking requests. Okay. Like ICMP floods, ICMP fragmentation, IPsec floods. And the third kind of attack could be the application layer attack. So you're attacking the application so they can't perform. So your e-commerce website can go down, your web server can go down. So various things can. Interesting. Happen. Interesting. So, uh, you know, I just thought of something like a coin miner uh, might actually effectively contribute to a DDoS if the CPU on a web server is overwhelmed because it's doing coin mining. Uh, that that's an indirect DDoS attack because it's not really necessarily like network based, but it might have actually the same effect, right? Yes, the objective is very similar to bring a digital resources down. Many Got times okay. they attack the control plane, sometimes they attack the data plane, but you talked about the motivations behind. Before we get into motivations, I, I'd, I would love your opinion on this. Why do you think we're still talking about DDoS 25 years later? Um, why is it still a problem? Why do you think it hasn't been solved yet? Excellent question. Excellent question. In last 25 years, we have found cure for many diseases. But in last 25 years, DDoS attacks have become more frequent and much bigger, much voluminous and more dangerous. The reason behind is that these DDoS attacks have become much simpler to orchestrate by bad actors. Okay, so the, so the simplicity is, is one of the factors that's leading to the, the, the higher frequency, uh, the damage that these are causing. That really helped. So Larry, um, in your studies, right, you're getting into cybersecurity. So many of our listeners, right? We have hundreds of thousands of listeners worldwide. They're also trying to get into cybersecurity. So this could be the first time they're kind of hearing of DDoS. Larry, do you have any specific questions on, you know, uh, DDoS, especially with what you've been learning, um, you know, in, in, in all the certification training and everything? Um, yeah. So, um, yeah, the denial services. Um, how I wondered how can someone ransom off just a uh, denial of services? Okay. So ransom is a new emerging trade. And what happens in the ransom, normally the bad actors will send you a note that we are going to do a DDoS attack on you. Many times they also do a, a small DDoS attack on you to give you a legitimacy that we are capable of that. And then it is a very tough decision for the enterprise to pay ransom or not to pay the ransom. And typically they ask 
normally, not a very huge amount, a small amount. So the businesses have a tough decision that if I don't pay and if I get attacked, then my business get disrupted. Mm-hmm. If I pay, then my business continue, but it can be also a hoax. The third uh, issue is they run into that. They think that this much money is asked, but if attack happens, the cost of attack and of the disruption and to get things right after the attack, what is the total cost associated with that? I see. So this is the ransom attack. And this is a fundamental change we have seen in economic model in the last 25 years. Previously, attacks were about getting a fame, getting the bragging rights or hacktivism or activism. Now this new model is all about economic benefits associated with that. So now what has happened with the uh, DDoS attack, most of the humans strive for money and fame and DDoS attack gives that both to a bad actor. That's the reason we are seeing more and more DDoS attacks and getting them bigger and bigger. I'm just curious, how much how much do you guys think it costs for somebody to cause a DDoS attack? Like, can you just go to the dark web and rent a DDoS attack to target a company? And, and what kind of costs are we talking about here for like a DDoS as a service uh, type attack? Yes, so DDoS have become much, much simpler. And DDoS are typically, uh, DDoS attacks are normally orchestrated on the compromised bot devices and the bot networks. And if you are a high school kid, even a high school kid, and you have access to darknet, you can hire these bot networks to orchestrate that attack on certain organizations. You know, I've seen, yeah. I've, I've seen some of these kids, I've seen the headlines where they'll actually take out their school because they have a test the next day. So Larry, they'll be like, hey, I'm going to take out my school's network. And hey, if you're a kid listening to this, that's a bad decision. Do not do that. You will, you will, there are consequences. Uh, believe me, um, you might get away with it once possibly. Um, but if you, you know, usually what happens is criminals, when they do things over a pattern, that's when they get caught. Anyway, don't do that if you're listening at home. Um, but, uh, you know, you're right. A high school kid that gets access to, say, the Tor web browser, right? They get access to the darknet. They pay in cryptocurrency. So kind of relatively untraceable, right? Still can be traced, but relatively untraceable. And they can basically take out their school so they don't have to test the next day. Now, that's kind of in a, a simplest um, you know, scenario. But you mentioned like the ransomware scenario. Right? I mean, we're talking about very, very um, life-altering consequences if, if a hospital gets hit and they can't transmit because their bandwidth has been fully consumed. And so now they can't call out to a helicopter to pick someone up. And they, I mean, we're really talking about pretty serious things. And what's really concerned me, Pankaj, I don't know if you've observed this, but it seems like there's been a shift in morality that's occurred over the last 20 years. It seemed like people weren't really targeting hospitals and and places like that. But now it kind of seems like anything's fair game and they don't really care. They don't really care who they're hurting. Um, and uh, hospitals are actually one of the most targeted groups. I'm sure you probably have stats on that. Healthcare, 
And it, it is, it does seem to be like there has been a moral shift in over 20 years. No, you are absolutely right, Joe. The economic gain is a much stronger motivation for ransom DDoS attacks. And cryptocurrency also makes it much easier to make a payment, which could be very hard to trace. Right. And orchestrating attack, we already talked about, it has become so simple for them. There is one more dimension of attacks. There are laws across the world about the criminalization of DDoS attack, like the federal law, 500,000 penalty and few years of jail. Okay. But, but very few uh, bad actors get prosecuted. Mm. Just in a stat, in 2020, there were 10 million DDoS attacks globally. And less than 10 people got convicted for that. So if there is a bad actor, wow. it, it is easier to orchestrate that attack. There is an economic model behind it to mm-hmm. make the money. Uh, being caught and prosecuted, chances are much low. So for a bad actor, it looks like a low-hanging fruit to make good money. And most of the, as I said, most of the people are motivated by money and fame. And DDoS attack gives both to a bad actor. So Pankosh, do you think it's um, easier for companies just to pay that uh, pay that ransom than just trying to, you know, prosecute these guys or finding these guys? So companies probably find it easier just to yeah. pay. Whatever, because it's maybe not, like you said, it's probably not a large amount. You See, know. Paying, paying ransom is never a right option for any organization because it signals to the bad actors that they can do this again and again. The right strategy for any organization is to build a very strong DDoS protection offering implement a DDoS protection strategy and implement it. And there are multiple solutions in the marketplace, including from Citrix to implement DDoS protection solutions. One thing which has also changed is that because if you fight a war for a very long time, it becomes a part of life. And that is what has happened with DDoS because IT has fought that war for 25 years and it's still going on. So it became from a strategic to tactical. But CISOs, the IT organization, the SACOPs, still have to look at their DDoS defense mechanisms mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. see that do they have the right solution for that. So I've got a very interesting question for you. If you're a CFO and you're thinking about spending, let's say, a million dollars in DDoS uh, prevention, I would wonder, does the CFO have any tools or abilities to easily determine the cost of downtime so that they can kind of weigh, you know, is this preventative measure going to um, actually be less expensive than the amount of losses that I could incur if I don't protect against this, right? Is there, is there any tools or any assets available to organizations so that yes. they can quantify um, this? So there are many pieces which are quantifiable. 
and, and most important ones are not. So if you just do a Google search and see that what is the average cost of the DDoS uh, attack, you will find those numbers running into tens of thousands to hundreds of thousands of dollars, depending what kind of uh, business you are. But there is a much bigger cost to it, the trust of the customer you may lose, uh. the reputation you may get to lose. Uh. And I'm sure that many of the ransom attacks which you have seen recently, and some of them were paid, they made a lot of headline in the newspapers. And you can't put a dollar amount on the reputation of your digital business. Great points. No, fantastic points. Um, do you think the uh, do you think the prop for for organizations that choose not to invest in DDoS prevention technology is the problem going away anytime soon on its own, or do you think like um, the increased bandwidth from five G or the prol- proliferation of these IoT devices doubling over the next three years? Do you? Do you think the problem is going to get worse before it gets better for these organizations that choose not to invest in technology? You are absolutely right, Joe. There are three fundamental trends which are going to make these uh, attacks much bigger, more frequent, and more economically damaging. Number one, the 5G networks that gives a bigger speed or bigger connection. So that means attacks can become bigger. More packets, more bandwidth, you're right. So it's yeah. gonna get worse actually, yep. The second one is exponential growth of IoT devices. In 2021, there were 46 billion IoT devices were expected. Can we and pause that- there for a second? I think some of our audience may not know about IoT. Um, so Larry, um, are you familiar with IoT? Like, what, what does IoT mean? Um, just to break that down, I want to make sure everyone's pretty clear on this. Okay. Uh, I don't, I don't know. And I probably, I know I learned it in, in school, but I don't remember. <laughs> so let's, yeah. So I think there's a lot of people listening to this, Pankaj, that are like, what is IoT? I've never okay. heard that before. What is IoT? So IoT is Internet of Things. And I'm sure each of your listeners has an IoT device. It could be a camera in their home, which is connected to internet. It could be a security alarm. It could be a home router. And many of these IoT devices have a lot of security vulnerabilities. And bad actors can get inside them and make them to join their bot networks. So as the number of IoT devices increases exponentially, these bot networks can becoming bigger and bigger. So basically what you're saying is if I go and buy a nanny cam, you know, I'm basically adding an additional device to the internet. And then that device, because of its weak default security, could be taken over by a hacker and used not just to spy in a creepy way on the family, but basically it can be used to basically flood packets using my gigabit, you know, fiber optic. And I am now basically attacking a company I don't even know about, but they're basically using my devices like a zombie network essentially uh, to attack some target. And so basically everybody's home 
could be used together with enough of these devices to basically take down any website that the attacker wants. That's quite a bit of power at the fingertips of even just a high school kid who can log into the dark web. This is this is frightening, Pankaj, that this is uh, this is happening. And there are two more dimensions to it. The next dimension is the compute power is increasing. Every device which you buy today, and you buy after a year, that has a much bigger CPU power. And that means more packets, right? That means they yes. can actually just spit out more packets. So the, the bigger bandwidth, the more packets, this problem is actually gonna, going to get significantly worse, right? So um, I think at this point, we've, we've probably defined the problem quite well. I would love to know, I'd like to kind of get into um, some of the solutions that exist. And I have a couple of, I, I'd love to maybe just share with you and Larry uh, Pankaj, if you don't mind, uh, how I've been solving it. And then I'd like to you to maybe fill in some gaps and tell me what I'm missing. So in 2019, um, one of my clients came to me and they were actually getting hit really hard by a DDoS attack. And uh, they said, hey, can you help? Um, I didn't really have a, a solution, so I started researching it. And um, I think the first search result I got was uh, Cloudflare. Um, so I needed to get a little bit of experience before I could really rep it. So I actually put my company on it. And I, I think I'm, I think at the time I was paying maybe $30 a month or something for my website to be protected, you know, by it. Basic DDoS protection. Now that's just a small business website. You know, we're not talking about like the large corporate enterprise costs, you know, um, here, but that was the one that I gained experience on. It was pretty easy to uh, set up and essentially the way it worked. And this is really for Larry's benefit and the listeners benefits is I uploaded my DNS zone file to Cloudflare. And then I made my DNS registrar make Cloudflare my authoritative DNS source, which means anybody on the internet trying to query my website would have to ask Cloudflare for the answer. And the answer that came back was, here's the Cloudflare network. Now behind the Cloudflare network was my uh, resources, but they would basically absorb the brunt of any kind of attack because the DNS resolved to it. Uh, now there's some inherent weaknesses if the attackers through like OSINT, uh, like open source intelligence means somehow found my direct IP address, then they could attack my network equipment directly and bypass the DNS layer. But effectively my whole familiarity primarily with DDoS protection is really like a DNS solution like Cloudflare. Um, I know Microsoft has some some new stuff uh, as well, but fill in the gaps for me. What am I missing? Why would a company like me or anyone else really need something more? Or how do you guys actually, how do your solutions maybe uh, compare? I would love to personally learn about that. I think our audience might like to learn about that too. For sure, absolutely. And we work with uh, many Citrix customers to advise them to choose the right DDoS solution. And Citrix offers a variety of uh, DDoS uh, protection solutions to our customers. Uh, there are four key criteria any enterprise has to look at when they choose a DDoS protection. The first is, and most important one, is the comprehensive protection against various types of DDoS attacks. You never know 
is this attack is going to be on a connection protocol or will it be a volumetric attack or it will be application layer attack. And under each one of these categories, there are so many types of attacks. So you want to have a very comprehensive protection mechanism which helps you to protect against variety of the attacks. You never know which kind of attack is going to come. So that is the first part. The second, and by the way, Citrix solution offers a very comprehensive protection against variety of the DDoS. The second one is more and more critical, the volume. Is it scalable to mitigate the biggest DDoS attacks? Because DDoS attacks are increasing in size 20% year over year almost. So you should have a solution that can it scale when the biggest DDoS attack hits you. And okay. you never know what big attack is going to hit you. So Got it, okay. And, and that's where it comes into play that, do I have a DDoS protection solution on-premise or do I use it in the cloud? The Got it, okay. The advantage of having a cloud-based DDoS protection that it can auto-scale as the that's right. attack sizes increase. Yeah. Yeah, you know, I, it makes perfect sense because if you put your DDoS protection on your on-premise, on all the attacker has to do is basically uh, flood the amount of available bandwidth that your ISP has to your site. And it doesn't matter what kind of equipment you have, they've taken up all your bandwidth, right? So that auto scale in the cloud makes a ton of sense. Now, yeah. I do have a question. So, you know, there's very few... Um, you know, global um, data center providers out there, right? You've got Google, Amazon, Microsoft, um, you know, you, you might have uh, Akamai and, and, and a few others. Um, have you guys actually built your own unique data centers to host this or do you guys uh, use a different provider? And the reason I ask is because I think Google had a major outage a couple of days ago and there were there were significant websites uh, affected by this because there was a supply chain dependency. Do you guys have any of those exposures, um, or have you built out a unique kind of all-in-one, like your own uh, solution? When I, when I'm pr primarily referring to the cloud solution here. Sure. So Citrix does offer a cloud-based auto-scale uh, DDoS protection solution. We have uh, POPs across the globe and they have more than 12 terabit of scrubbing capacity all across the globe. So uh, having a more number of POPs or having a DDoS scrubbing uh, facility closer to your user or your data center gives you a better performance and lower latency for you. So Citrix has invested to build a large scale POP infrastructure for these DDoS uh, uh, protection service for our customers. So you you mentioned one of your POPs can handle 12 terabits, and that's pretty significant because I think earlier you mentioned one of the largest ones uh, ever recorded was only just a couple terabits, right? Yeah. Uh, I think the largest is close to three terabit at this okay. moment, and we expect next year it's going to exceed. Yeah. And what I talked about the capacity, that is the global capacity together. Okay. For that. So that's the beauty of distributed attack because attack comes from different uh, variety of uh, yeah. uh, bots spread all across the globe. So this is really good news. You guys have the bandwidth to absorb 
and take some hits right now for for clients. That that's huge, and I and I think that that really matters, um, Pankaj. That that people know that you guys can, you know, you've built up the scale to be able to take these hits for people. So, uh, you know, you've got a solid chin, you know, for uh, to take the hits uh, for clients so that they don't have to to do that. Does that that's pretty huge. So, Larry, we talked about some cool new things today. We talked about IoT, DDoS, really interesting varieties of attack patterns. I know, Larry, you're super interested in in the uh, the red team and penetration testing part of cybersecurity. That's kind of your goal to get into. Um, Pankaj, is there any simulations that red teamers or pen testers can do to help a company kind of um, see how their infrastructure could handle one of these attacks? Um, I'm just kind of curious. That's uh, something that just occurred to me to ask. So I think uh, the DDoS solutions are pretty mature from the customer. Of, uh, DDoS protection solutions are pretty mature. And the vendor which you are working with, uh, you should ask the question that, how big is uh, their global infrastructure? How much capacity which they have? One more thing I really want our customers to understand the options of deploying DDoS protection. One is always on and one is the on demand. Okay. And there, there is an economic cost associated with that. Okay. So on, on demand means that you're not inspecting every packet. When the attack starts, then only you switch on the flip, the switch to start the protection. And that saves money for you, but you get hit by a small amount of the bot attack, sorry, DDoS attack in the beginning. And it saves a little bit of latency, but many customers like to have always on DDoS protection all the time. So they want to inspect each and every packet. And if you are doing it, imagine you are an e-commerce site. You do not want even five or five seconds or five minutes your service being disrupted. Uh-huh. And uh-huh. that's the reason many of the customers go for always on DDoS protection. So okay. IT has to also understand or evaluate their strategy. Will they like to go for always on? or an on-demand DDoS protection. Both, that makes sense, okay. Both solutions are offered. It's a more risk versus cost uh, analysis. With each yeah, so, so if you're an e-commerce website, it's pretty clear you want the always on, right? Now, on-demand might be more appropriate for someone who has lower risk if their website went down. I, I talk to some clients sometimes, like say in the construction industry, if their website's down, if their internet facing presence is down, uh, they're still at the job, you know, shoveling dirt and moving sand, you know, they're, they're, they're okay. Um, is DDoS, I want to make this clear, is DDoS limited to internet facing uh, properties and assets for organizations? Is there any, is there any uh, risk of DDoS affecting us in, in ways we're, we're not thinking of, like anything that's not internet facing? Yes, I talked about in the beginning, these DDoS attacks could be a smoke screen for other activities by bad actors, like content stealing, stealing your valuable customer data. So you, if I'm IT, my attention may be on DDoS protection against DDoS while it is happening, while 
the real motivation of bad actors is to stealing something more valuable than just disrupting your business. So, that makes sense. I think I read about an attack um, where the attackers were basically um, conducting a uh, a swift transfer, right, of a banking network. I think it was in Asia and uh, Bank of Taiwan, maybe. They uh, performed both ransomware and DDoS in order to distract IT uh, while they were performing major uh, bank transfers, right? So like you said, could be a diversion tactic. And that's that's really interesting as well. Um, Larry, is there anything that you, um, any questions you have about DDoS? Uh, we have one of the world's leading experts on DDoS here on the, on the show. So uh, anything uh, come to mind? Yeah, so I was wondering, what is the difference between a buffer overload and a DDoS? I know DDoS mainly it's just, you know, it's a lot of packets being sent in at once and it's just pretty much just floods your... So buffer overflow could be one of the mechanisms how DDoS attack can be conducted. Mm -hmm. So if anything will disrupt the service or takes away the resources or stresses the resources, that what the DDoS attack really wants to achieve. One thing I would like to also say to Lerner, uh, your audience is that DDoS attacks are very simple to understand. So if you want to learn into more about DDoS attack, it's not a very complex technology to understand. So as you're learning about DDoS attacks, don't fear about it, read about it, learn about it. It's a very fair, simple concept and very simple technology. But consequences to the business are immortal. Yeah, and this, this really gets at the heart of cybersecurity. Uh, when you're studying cybersecurity, we have a lot of students listening to this podcast. You know, there's this thing called the CIA triad, not to be confused yeah. with the, uh, you know, Central Intelligence Agency, but it's it's confidentiality, integrity, and availability. You know, if you're providing an information service and you can't keep that thing available because you're getting attacked, the business really suffers, right? So part of information security's responsibility is to keep the services up and running. And uh, it was really enlightening, uh, Pankaj, for you to tell me today about some of the services. I'll tell you some of the things I didn't know um, that I learned. Um, I didn't know that you actually had an on-demand service. I assumed that all DDoS protection was was always on. Uh, so that was actually new to me. I had no idea that you guys actually had 12 terabits of uh, scrubbing capability. That's pretty significant because we learned today that some of the largest attacks, you know, the next largest one is projected to be at three. You guys can, you know, totally take that hit. Um, and so where can, where would you guide people businesses that that are listening to this, uh, where would they go to actually learn more about your particular services that we can direct them to? I will strongly recommend to uh, citrix.com and you will find a wealth of information about DDoS attack. And if you want more detailed discussion about the DDoS attack and how to mitigate against them, uh, Anytime you can reach to the Citrix salesperson and they can help you with more detailed discussion. Okay. But 
I will encourage each one of the listeners to look at their own DDoS protection strategy and is it capable of the DDoS attacks, the volume the, and the strength of DDoS attack currently being seen in the industry? I have one other question for you. I opened the, the program letting you know me as a small business owner, the type of solution I went to. Um, who is your target market? Are you providing DDoS solutions for small business owners or are you really aiming at more kind of mid-market to enterprise clients? DDoS protection is like having the lock in your home. It doesn't matter if you have a mansion or you have a one bedroom uh, a small apartment. And bad actors go after small businesses, mid-sized businesses, large enterprises. And in last few years, small and medium businesses have seen more and more DDoS attacks. So if you are a small business, you are equally vulnerable to DDoS attacks. I believe you are more vulnerable because you don't have a big IT infrastructure behind you to support you in case of DDoS. That's the reason that having a cloud-based DDoS protection, which is easier to implement, easier to deploy, and gives you an enterprise-class DDoS protection is more important. So we offer help or our solution to every customer segment. Awesome. this is really, really good. Um, I learned a ton, Larry. This this was really cool. This is definitely one of our better shows. I think uh, we just, you know, got to really geek out, go deep. Pankaj, thank you so much for spending time with us and, and uh, sharing yeah. with us how you guys help. Uh, thank Pankaj, you, Joe. Thank you so much. I've learned a lot. Thank you, Joe. And thank you for having me here. And Larry, all the best in your learning and your journey.